Hi, this is Anson Williams, and you're listening to the amazing TV Confidential. So would you welcome, please, Mr. Roy Orbison. Welcome back, Roy, and I'm sorry about that. I don't know what all this fainting is about. I guess I was a little young or something. Thanks, Mel. It's good to be back. And congratulations on your 20th anniversary. Well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to have you back on the show because, I mean, you know, you just, I've been such a fan of yours, and, I mean, you congratulating me uh, on my 20th, I, I, uh... Robertson author guest John Cruth, John's book, Rhapsody in Black, The Life and Music of Roy Orbison, not only provides the backstory behind every hit record of Roy Orbison, from Ooby Dooby and Down the Line to You Got It, but also features a select and highly opinionated Roy Orbison discography, but also information about the Big O's many appearances on television, including his award-winning special for Cinemax, a Black and White Night, as well as his lesser-known but just as notable appearances on such shows as The Dukes of Hazard and SCTV. The publisher of Rhapsody in Black is Backbeat Books, a division of Hal Leonard Publishing. You can find Rhapsody in Black in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. Before we went to break, we were talking to John about Roy's appearance on SCTV in 1981. Of course, it was it, it was interesting because, you know, that was also within a couple of years of Belushi's appearance on uh, when Belushi did that uh, parody of Roy on Saturday Night Live, which uh, I understand Roy didn't necessarily appreciate. Well, he was really imitating again. He was talking like Elvis, you know. He, he, uh, Roy never spoke like that. The whole—it's—it's it's funny because I—I I think no, Roy, he Roy didn't appreciate it, and Roy didn't appreciate. I don't know if he would appreciate my book. I hope he does wherever he is, but you know, he didn't appreciate a lot of things that people did about him or said about him because. You know, I guess he he wasn't Hollywood handsome. He didn't have the moves. He didn't wasn't wasn't a star on certain levels. But man, he just right to your heart like a cannonball, as as Van Morrison always used to say. You know, I mean, what spirit! And it was incredible to find out about his life and what he went through and how he processed these experiences and and could go on and not be a bitter person or not be a drug addict or and all of those things he's what i call a great lemonade maker mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i mean he was he was the lemons were coming down on him like hail absolutely you know? and what did he do he just he just held on to the the wheel and as johnny cash always said drive on drive yep. on yep. you know and he just kept he just kept it going, and it took him a while to put it all back together. Yeah. Again. But it, it happened, you know. So, I mean, I, you know, it's easy to take shots at him because he has no chin and he's pale and chub he was chubby at some points. Yes. Real yes. thin at yeah. others, you know. And uh, so it was just like it's easy to take a shot as, at his appearance with his, you know, heavy slick back uh pompadour when everybody had gone beetle you know and then he finally went beetle haircut yeah you know? yeah way be way behind the curve at that point but um yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Well, I think I, I think you know in the eighties when he went when when he went back to wearing black and got and got out of that polyester stage. I mean, that was a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, he wasn't. You know, it's really funny though when you see pictures of his house and the cars that he bought and some of the clothes that he some of the clothes were a little square mm-hmm. for sure in that kind of country polyester thing that was in that con- country politan style that was going coming out of Nashville in the early 70s for sure you know but at the same point you have to look at him as the forerunner of goth in a way you mm-hmm. know with the with the black cross at his throat and his and all in black and his sullen appearance and all of that you know there are probably a lot of goth guys out there that were big Roy Orbison fans. How could they not be? There are a lot of goth guys out there. There are a lot of probably three generations of musicians who were influenced oh, yeah. by Roy Orbison. And you talk to them one way or another in your book. I mean, you've got, uh, I know you talked to 20 people who worked with Roy closely. I kept it pretty minimal, yeah. actually. I didn't talk to like everybody in sight this time. I've done that before in my earlier books. Yeah. And, found that if you can just get to the essence of uh, what they were about from the more important people, and sometimes the public would be surprised that um, some of the people that are closest with us on on a day-to-day level aren't seeing some of the most, or making some of the most important, um, you know, they're just not recognizing certain aspects about the people, you know, that's why Terry Whitlake, he was so great, he was a bass player with him for like 15 years and his road manager, Mm and I felt that his perception was really great, and sometimes the immediate family isn't going to make some of the greatest commentary or, or have some of the, the best perceptions. Well, it goes back to what we said before, you approach this as a musician, because this is much about yeah. Roy's music as it is about Roy's life, and it's not surprising that, that some of the most insightful comments about Roy come from people like, uh, is it, uh, I keep wanting to say Rick Dees, it's Ray Dees, right? Billy Dees. Billy Dees, that's Billy it. Billy Dees, who, who wrote... Um, a lot of the greatest songs mm-hmm. with him. I mean, he had, essentially, he had two great partners, uh, Joe Melson, who wasn't interested in going back and, and uh, re- reliving the past, and I think he had had some, you know, uh, it's interesting when you read the book, you'll see that there are a number of times where people say, well, you know, I did this, mm-hmm. or so-and-so did that. There's there's a lot of discrepancy over who came up with the Pretty Woman guitar riff, you know, and, um, and uh and Bill Dee said, you know, he felt that at times he got the short end of the stick, but then again Bill Dee's might have just wound up, you know, in a small town in Texas for the rest of his life instead of being on the Ed Sullivan show and playing on Bills with the Beatles. That's right. So we all it, we all have to uh, you know, understand our role in the big play, you know. Uh, when Joe Melson tried to go solo, his career didn't go anywhere, and Bill Dees wanted to go solo, but no one was Wesley Rose in particular. Um, uh, Roy's manager was not interested in anybody else going solo from from the band. Bobby Goldsboro, mm-hmm. who had that kind of rather cloyingly sweet hit back in the 60s, Honey, mm-hmm. he went solo, and he did manage to have a good career. So, you know, it's not always easy for these guys to step out, you know, from 
from the shade of that big tree, you know. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. We're talking to John Cruth. John's book, Rhapsody in Black, The Life and Music of Roy Orbison, is a comprehensive biography of the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and includes interviews with more than 20 people who worked closely with Roy Orbison throughout his life. John is also a musician as well as a professor of music at Manhattan College and the College of Mount St. Vincent. Plus, he has written for the Rolling Stone, the New York Times, and other publications. You can find Rhapsody in Black in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. I want to ask you about A Black and White Night. I'm a big Springsteen fan. Uh-huh. For me, part of the fun of watching that special when it originally aired in 89 was seeing the joy in Springsteen, you know, yeah. performing next to his idol. It, it's like, it's one of the few times... Springsteen allows himself to be a complete dork on stage. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. He's, <laughs> not, he, 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 he's not. He's he's not. First of all, you have to understand that he couldn't project the sold-out amphitheater Bruce at that point because he couldn't. His role was not to overshadow exactly uh, Roy, but to you know, but to work as a sideman in that situation. I like his guitar playing quite yes. a bit, of course. Yes. It's a beautiful document mm-hmm. it, it, in, in a crazy way. It summed up everything there was about Roy in, in like one performance. And it was just like the stars were perfectly aligned that night or something, you know, where just everything came together and there's the document. You want to know what Roy Orbison was about, watch Black and White Night. And then on top of it, you've got Tom Waits hammering a piano and Elvis Costello up there and Mm -hmm. Bonnie Raitt and Katie Lang. And it's just a, man, you know, it was just so well done. Yeah. It's really one of the best rock films, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I, I second you on that. Plus, Springsteen has some of the best lines about Roy in the book. My favorite is... Roy sang about the tragic unknowability about women. Yeah, it was fantastic what he said about him. I also thought that, the, I mean, I'm blowing my own horn here now that Clarence Clemens isn't around. Um, uh, 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 that chapter that starts off about Down Thunder Road and back, mm-hmm. I felt that um, what I wrote there about Bruce really kind of put him in a nutshell, especially in that time period when he was... You know, he was just so vital in, in the early 70s, and and he was just breaking out. And it was amazing how hearing Thunder Road, you went, oh, yeah, Roy Orbison. Yeah. Hell, I haven't, I haven't listened to those records in a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And it just really, it, it was just one of those things where I think I say in the book, it was like he threw a beer can into, you know, a pond of water and... And uh, the ripples spread out. That effect was, uh, that's where it all seemed to start out again, you know. John Cruth is the author of Rhapsody in Black, The Life and Music of Roy Orbison, a comprehensive biography of the Rock and Roll 
Hall of Famer. You can find Rhapsody in Black in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold online. The next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on the station at the usual time. Our guests will include singer-actress... Kat Kramer and television producer Phil Savinick. Ted Robertson, behalf of Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grace, and Greg Arabar. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991-866-490-3991-866-490-3991. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.